0: So I think buying online businesses could be a really, really good strategy for a lot of people who want to get straight to that end point of the profitable business. It's really fun doing all the entrepreneurial trial and error, do a course, do a mastermind, go to some conferences, build it up, test it out, test all the channels and platforms. And that's still really fun. And when you win, it's the most satisfying feeling in the world. But if you're, say, busy with a day job, with a good income stream, you've got house with a mortgage, you know, you just want to get out of the rat race. And the the work and the time, just the total elapsed time to get to that doing it yourself is quite long and quite hard and quite uncertain what point the financial freedom is possible.
1: Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show today, Sophie Howard from Freedom Navigators. How are we doing today?
0: I'm wonderful. Thanks so much. How are you?
1: I wish I was hanging out in New Zealand where you're at uh, (laughs) because, you know, in California, we've been getting all kinds of uh, crazy weather this winter. But um, for those that don't know who you are and what you do and really kind of how you found this space, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your journey.
0: Well, um, I've been working online pretty much from the kitchen table for the last nine, nearly 10 years now, uh, partly through just wanting to have a better lifestyle and more financial freedom as I raise my young children. Um, But I'm very competitive and so I don't dabble with things. So I've been rip-roaring around in all sorts of different directions over the years. So I started with an Amazon FBA business and I'd like to say there was some great skill and selection criteria. But I think I just had a massive stroke of beginner's luck and had this fantastic first product. So a year in, I'd made 1.6 million in sales. I sold the business for seven figures when it was 18 months old back in 2015, way before anyone was selling Amazon. Businesses. So that was a good start. So it's like, huh, this is fun.
1: Beats the day job. I, I, like, I like this kitchen table thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Children and dogs and horses. And it was a bit chaotic. But, I love it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I quite like the thrill of it. You know, I've got a bit of an appetite for risk. I never borrowed money. Um, so it was all bootstrapped. So I went as fast as that allowed, but I didn't really consider I was going to fail. There've been lots of wobbles on the way. I've done some other things since. So I've also started publishing ebooks on Kindle on, you know, from what I learned from Amazon. And teaching people about Amazon, I could see the ebooks were kind of a notch below in complexity and easier starting points. So that's the main um, thing I did for the last sort of two or three years during COVID. That really suited being completely digital without any moving physical parts or physical people when everyone was at home. And then the thing that I accidentally stumbled on thanks to the ebooks as i was publishing all these non fiction ebooks which were going really well they're quite predictable they're a bit like an amazon product it's kind of a search engine on google on amazon game you know people search for a very precise search term to solve a problem they've got that they want to buy a book on to learn about so that's easy behaves just like a product but i could see that the big money on amazon with ebooks was fiction and i didn't really know how to do fiction i'm not an author and i was getting ghostwriters doing all the non fiction so I bought through Empire Flippers, one uh, very nice fiction business. And I paid quite a lot of money for it. But I was like, well, there's the ready-built team. There's a gang of authors. There's people that do the covers. There's people that do these newsletter swaps and the launches. And it was completely different strategies and tactics to the nonfiction. So I bought that and it went really well. I was like, gosh, I wish I just did this more often, just buy the finished good and enjoy the fact I'm not doing the trial and error, the testing out of different writers, the designing, the weekly workflows and checklists, coming up with you know the whole launch game plan. It's all done. Right. So I bought a newsletter in the in the um, publishing industry, and the asking price was four hundred and ten thousand so dollars. I was like, that's a bit much, but it was making really steady sales. It's a really neat business model, and it came with the girl who runs it and. It was really automated, and I could see ways to make it even more efficient. So I bought that. I made a cash offer on that one in the 200s and got it. And that one returns about 28% a year, just like clockwork. Boom, 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 boom. Beautiful. I get one message a week. All I do once a week is open a Skype message from a girl in New Orleans who tells me how much money we've made. (laughs) And I pay her once a month. Done. So I think buying online businesses could be a really, really good strategy for a lot of people who want to get straight to that end point of the profitable business. It's really fun doing all the entrepreneurial trial and error, do a course, do a mastermind, go to some conferences, build it up, test it out, test all the channels and platforms. And that's still really fun. And when you win, it's the most satisfying feeling in the world. But if you're, say, busy with a day job, with a good income stream, you've got house with a mortgage, you know, you just want to get out of the rat race. And the, the work and the time, just the total elapsed time to get to that doing it yourself is quite long and quite hard and quite uncertain what point the financial freedom is possible. Whereas, if you go out and know exactly what kind of online business you might want to buy, where to go to look for it, how to negotiate, good price, how to check, it's a really great business. I don't want to buy dual wrappers or other people's problems. So, I only look for really quality, really solid business models. There's certain platforms I like and some I always keep clear of. And there's some business models I love and some I would never touch. So I want to have quite a bit of control. I don't want to be at the mercy of Bitcoin prices or Facebook ad costs. So I don't touch those sorts of platforms. It's quite um, quite simple business models. I could pay newsletters. Wonderful. They're the best, pretty much. Um, and some SaaS businesses, it depends, oops, depends a little bit, uh, which platform they're built on. So something on WordPress, wonderful, some win, wonderful home build. Whoa, no, thank you. So that's what I've been doing, I right? Buying online businesses. And that's what I think is a massive opportunity for lots of people that you might not
1: have thought of before. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn sales navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Yes. And I think honestly more and more, right? I think more people are going i'm hearing about people making money behind their laptop and while that became you know somewhat of a taboo topic for many years now it's it's a very simple and true reality for many people and yet it's still very early on in that stage in terms of so many different channels and avenues that you could go down for you know using online as a as a true kind of playground for creating a career unlocking financial freedom and the landscape has really changed a lot over the last, you know, decade or so. In terms of us maybe unpacking a little bit of what does this opportunity really look like for so many people that are going, this sounds great. I love mm-hmm. what Sophie's talking about here and this really makes a lot of sense to me and ideally I'd love to, you know, continue to pursue it. I just don't know where to start. Maybe we could, you know, back up to the beginning of for somebody that is really looking to go down this path, what are some of the starting gate, you know, disciplines and to do's for somebody to, you know, at least get one foot in the arena?
0: Brilliant. Yeah, that's a good thing to think about just how to start. Because if I lined up 100 people and said, here's what I've done, here's what I recommend go, everyone would pick a completely different direction. You know, everybody has some kind of connection, whether it's from your personality or your training and background education-wise or some work experience and life skills you've had through your career. Some people are really happy with data and and some people are really happy with tech. Some people like to be more creative. So there's sort of that spectrum that everybody's going to really vary on. But the common thing that we would all have to do is decide on our acquisition criteria. And so that's a combination of what resources can you bring to a deal, which could either be more time and less cash or more cash less time we're usually juggling those two and both of those nobody has unlimited both usually so um uh there's that factor just the financial side and depending on where you live you might be able to get more uh finance from third parties i've only ever bought businesses with either my own money or vendor finance so there's smart people out there with banking backgrounds and who live in the United States who can access SBA loans and all sorts of other things I couldn't. So I kept mine really simple. It must be cash and really discounted or vendor finance on really favorable terms.
1: Which I love that. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that as well because that's right. Yeah. Creative financing is a great way to get something started with very little money out of pocket. So we yeah. can get to that, I'm sure, at some point.
0: Yeah, well, that's sort of your specialty, really. Um, but I can share you know some thoughts on that as well later on. And then the next bit really is the business model. So this is like, what is the product or service and how is it sold? Because if you've got to do, I don't know, um, 500 Facebook posts and some YouTube videos every day, uh, that's quite a bind and not for everyone. Um, But if you're um, able to outsource the whole thing, you have an agency writing content for some WordPress sites that it's basically an SEO game. You've got thousand word articles this frequently with this density of well-researched keywords popping into your site. You've got some ad banners, you've got some affiliate links. That's really nice. That's a really good, simple starting point that I think most people could do. And there's never been an easier time in terms of tech and freelancers to not need to be techie to do this really well. There's If you stick to the big platforms like WordPress, say, I yep. think you can pretty much once a month, check in on the progress and enjoy the, collecting the results of the affiliate payments and the ad payments. So that's probably the 101 business model would be content sites, that so were blog on WordPress, a review site, something like that, a directory of some sort on WordPress. They're really good models. There's not really any risk. So you're not... um Oh, there's no kind of inventory hanging around or right. shipping overseas from my Amazon days. I'm a bit jaded on that one. So I love digital totally at the moment. Um, not to say product businesses aren't good, just I prefer straight digital at the moment. Um so the, the WordPress content with quality content, a really good agency, I can recommend good agencies, Um, and it just slowly ranks over time, focus on the quality. I think that's a really nice model because as your budget increases, as you've got more revenue, you could add some more sites or ramp up the content, um, and maybe have a little portfolio. So I've got about, you should see my GoDaddy account. It's very funny. I've got a lot of domain names of ideas. I've had for businesses over the years, but about three quarters of them now are just, um, simple little blog sites all collecting little bits of revenue for every click, for every set of eyeballs on an ad. That's really easy to manage, even with a full time day job. But you can learn a business model that way really quickly that generates profit and it's really low stress. Nobody's ever going to get upset because they didn't like something in the article, unless you do something really controversial, of course. But you could be reviewing types of dog harness or VPN sites. I've got a friend who's actually a business broker, he did a site that reviewed all the VPN sites and sold it for 2 million cash. So, you know, well done, Jock. Yeah, <laughs> so right. Something like that can be really simply outsource the writing. You know who the audience is, and that's easy. Then um, something like a newsletter business is really neat or a SaaS business is good if you've got a little bit more um. You need to be a little bit more business savvy for the SaaS thing. You've got to have quite a few moving parts. You've obviously got to have a pretty tight operating team, keeping the code free of bugs and, you know, improving the features all the time, but also the marketing and getting the product out. You know, you've got to be a bit more active managing that one, I think. You couldn't just hand that over to an agency and expect it to fly. Um, So everybody would have a business model that suits them best. And I've actually got a profiling quiz that helps people understand which business models might suit them because you could be very creative uh, or very ambitious or very data-driven or very techy, or hopeless with tech like me. Uh, So that would help sort of put you in the right direction of what to look for. And then the next universal step would be setting up uh, some notifications and going around the business uh, brokering sites. So the marketplaces like Flipper.com is a great one. Empire Flippers is brilliant you've got a bigger budget, than some other bigger ones, FE International or Quiet Light, they've got sort of slightly bigger deals on them. But even if you started really small on Flipper and spent just a couple of thousand, five thousand on a nice little content site, you would really get a feel for how addictive this is because the way that they're priced, it's usually a multiple of, say, two or three times the last 12 months net profit. And they calculated a bit differently. It depends if there's recurring revenue and you know, all sorts of things. But often the most vendors are very motivated. So you can get these things for about, say, two years' payback period. But if when you look at it, you can see you can grow it a bit or cut some expenses, maybe that's a one-year payback period. All of mine, I try and get paid back, fully paid off within a year at the most. And I try to keep the quality of the businesses really high, you know, really good products or services that would be really hard for me to try and create myself, you know, something with a bit of a moat around them that's hard mm-hmm. to copy. Some X factor with the product, or they've got a huge database that would be so expensive to start building now and get to that same endpoint. So get the quality of the business really high, something really special, that really is hard for anyone to come in, copy or Facebook to bully you, or you know, want to be really independent, really strong standing, but then negotiate really hard on the price. And if you can't get the thing for a dime on the dollar, you know, if it's not really, really cheap. I don't mind as long as it's really, really quality. I'd happily pay a fair price for a great business than get something that's a bit ugly, but get it really cheap. That's just yep. not want. So that's sort of the first section of work. It's like, what's your criteria for buying and where are you going to go to look for it? And then as you shortlist those businesses that are for sale, you've got this quite weird thing. Uh, Slightly intimidating for some people, phone call to the vendor. You usually have to go through a broker to get access, but I usually try and keep the brokers off on the wings because they only look at the price and fire up the vendor to um, hang out for a better deal or for more. So I try and start building rapport with the vendor, and that's always gone really well. I've got a particular process I follow for that because you need to come across as a serious buyer, but you also want to be likable and... People are really attached to their businesses. Every business I've sold, and I've sold a couple, um, they are things I've worked so hard on night, blood, sweat, and tears. You know, that's my baby. And I don't want it to just be driven into the ground or someone just throw out my lovely logo or whatever. So it's really good to show that you're serious, but show that you've got ambition for the brand. Um, you could offer to keep them on as an advisor, not never co-owner but you know maybe some ongoing consulting or um pay for a little bit of advice every quarter or something you know they might want to keep a hand in or stay attached others want to run a mile and take off on a cruise ship or retire but just to have that sort of softer approach rather than beat them up on price from the first call picking holes and all the hard work they've done so those negotiations um kind of bounce around for a few weeks you ask for a full detailed. Information memorandum where they explain what's included, how big's the database, what platforms here, which bits of the team would you get? Um, what's the weekly kind of workflow? What kind of time commitment are you taking? The biggest catch, of course, and there's one that I bought that was like this, where the owner said, oh, it takes me, you know, four hours a month or something. I <laughs> got hold of this thing, not four hours a month. And so part of the skill in assessing whether it's a good deal for you is unpicking how much is the owner's magic sort of know-how or what's in their head and what can you continue to replicate and grow? Yeah. Um, so that's all work You know, everything you can um, see that a step in the business. Can you contact that sort of client? Can you manage that sort of team? Can you brief that agency on that task and know when it's done well? So the, um, the handover period, once you've agreed on a price, um, usually, it's pretty short and sharp, so you want to be very focused for that. And we've had all sorts of um, exciting times and migrations. And from that, I have learned certain platforms I will never buy on again, as in the tech platform that the business sits on. So, a few things like private PayPal accounts, where all the customers are subscribed, that has been a problem. Luckily, on that deal, I did great. We had a finance structure with the vendor, so I think this business was for sale for 190k. And it was a really neat neat business. It's a design template subscription business. And I bought it through Empire Flippers and it's really nice, great cash flow, hardly any overheads, fully came with a team. um, Very, very simple. Only $10 a month subscription, but hundreds and hundreds of subscribers. I think this thing makes that $6,000 profit a month. Totally hands off. It's brilliant. One design pack goes out once a month to a big email list. And it's like, well, I could use that email list for this offer and this panel of things look great. Um, However, the nice guy selling it who just had a baby and was going back to another software thing he'd started a while back. Um, All the payments came through to his PayPal and all the subscribers were um, registered on Gumroad who wouldn't transfer the account to me. (laughs) And all the affiliate stuff was on private. It was really hard to extract him out of it. So we had a few stodgy months where he would manually pay me for the payments for the work I'd done. For my new company. But luckily, there was a clause the way we'd financed it that there was a calculation how many people migrated over. Um, and so I only paid a bit more than half on that deal of what the asking price was. But I've still had all the knowledge, all the intellectual property, all the systems to quickly bounce it back up to higher subscriptions. And then with every business, I can't help but meddle with them a bit. So this one just had a flat fee, $10 a month recurring design thing. But I did a VIP, $37 a month recurring payment for people to video walk through of that design pack and some extra ideas, how they could use it and what's coming up next month, you know, just a bit of a inner circle, still not expensive. And I pay someone an hour a month to do that video YouTube channel. And then those YouTube channels get some traction too. So it's all fun. And the challenge is stopping because there's so many good deals out there that are instantly profitable. Um, I'm really creative so I can always see good ways to grow them or this should totally be on that platform where I could definitely add these features and we could pop up the price a bit and and nobody's ever made it a subscription model or, um, you know, here's a great promo or a nice relationship that would be a natural fit to do a partnership with. So I've got to just rein myself back in from buying 10 businesses and growing each one in 10 directions and then imploding because it's only me that run this. I've got, you know, a bunch of I've got a nice small team. So I've got one techie person who's really smart, really good, just great common sense. And I pay her an hourly rate. She's also in New Zealand, super, super smart girl. So she's great. She runs pretty much the day to day stuff about half time. Um, Another girl looks after all the finances. So she checks all the payments that are coming in. She also manages my properties. So uh, she used to be a property manager, so she checks inspections are done, rents coming in, insurance and all that stuff's done. So she's about half-time. And then there's a couple of people, one wrangles the weekly newsletters and design stuff going out. And that's it. I mean, we're really light headcount for serious seven-figure portfolio of stuff going on.
1: Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors Yeah, I was going to say, how many businesses does that kind of encompass for that lean of a team? And, and what does that revenue look like? Just so people can go, whoa, okay, like there's some real opportunity here.
0: Yeah, well, I've spent, should say invested, wrong word, invested $2 million on about 20 odd businesses since the start of COVID. So early 2020, I bought that first fiction publishing business. And that was really just to learn how to do it. It wasn't even to get the return on it. Well, that was easy. Do it again. Um, So they average about 28% return on investment. And there's other listed companies out there that go and look to buy similar businesses to mine. And they average about the same. So I feel like I'm hitting pretty good numbers there. Um, The ones that have worked best in that portfolio have been the newsletter business model. And the subscription, sort of any SaaS stuff that's subscription-based, especially because when you buy one of those, the code's been written, but all that sunk cost in writing the code and creating the product, that's not priced in. You're only paying a multiple on the profit. Mm-hmm. So, good. Yep. Um, so those ones have been the best. The hardest ones have been where there's lots of content to be written. So the WordPress ones, the percentage returns lower. But they feel really solid and they just grow really steadily and I'm totally hands-off. They don't take up any of my time.
1: Nice.
0: I did a few little ones there because it's a real confidence booster just to, you know, build the portfolio, work with an agency. So I used to try and keep the team that came with the business and get them writing more blogs. But actually, we were trying to teach those writers our overarching SEO strategy and do all the keyword research for them. So in the end, we've just gone with niche website builders and we give them all our content to write so they've been wonderful so ordered millions of words off them this year and they do a really really good job they do great seo they do great articles blog posts really high quality um in the world of ai generating a load of dross across yeah
1: i was gonna ask how chat gpt is factored into that seo and you know content curation over the last six months
0: well i'm not hands-on on that so um i have outsourced all of that to an agency and i'm sure they're using it for their research but when i read their writing to spot check the odd one coming through it's absolutely as good as a human and so i don't mind what they do i've paid a really good price for well at night high quality content that's not going to annoy google's algorithms or anything so the game will obviously evolve but if i try to stay on top of what's the latest seo rules from google what's the best chat gpt way to prompt stuff what's the five other things you could do yourself um, and better. What's the best keyword research for this brand and better just to make one decision to one highly trusted, highly qualified party, outsource that, pay some money. That's job done. Every week they add that to my sites. Um, One thing we did is I just can't help but start my, my own businesses as well, but I could see a real opportunity in the content marketing world of, you know, there's all these services with ads, and content agencies. So people outsource the writing for their content sites and yep. um, they have people managing their ads or whatever. But there was no agency out there creating the affiliate links for the products or services recommended in those blogs. So we've just started a little agency that does that. So we're just launching at the moment. So that's very exciting. So if you want to, um, if you've got a content site and you want someone to go out and find the best products or services for that blog, or article and um, put them in and get the monetization happening just from the readers whose eyeballs are casting across your content, we can help you monetize that. So
1: get in touch. I love it. So as you're doing the due diligence on these businesses, what are you getting from them? How are you going through it and really kind of discerning whether or not it's worth making an offer or structuring maybe a vendor carry? What does that look like for you to avoid maybe some of the mistakes that you made early on or help people avoid some of the mistakes that are common when buying online businesses?
0: Well, first I'll go and be a mystery shopper for the product. I'll go and check it all works and check that the product or service that comes through is quality. Um, I like to understand the business. So if there's a NFT trading platform, that's not me. I don't have a clue. So I'd never touch something I don't understand.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I'm quite particular about it's not so much the double checking and the due diligence is obviously the step where you go through all the finances line by line but sort of the big picture keeps you roughly in the right part of the park so the business model and the platforms that it's built on are really good one really nice thing about buying through say empire flippers or flipper is that they've validated a lot of what's been presented so they'll go through the google analytics they'll look inside an amazon fba account on a video call with the vendor and double check that those things really are those things. Um, I keep clear of anything reliant on paid Facebook ads. I think that's a tough game to keep winning because it's only good to go up and they can just stop you. You know, you can be doing everything right and you're gone <laughs> All that like ad account's gone. And that's annoying. Um, I, ooh, what else? I like it to be on a platform like WordPress or, um, Uh, I don't buy Amazon businesses of any sort. I only probably am a bit biased because I've built them myself and I know some of the things that could not be declared. So say you had a, a business cranking with great sales. There could also be a whole bunch of Facebook or Google ads running to drive those sales that you haven't seen and you'd never be able to find them or double check that factor. So I like really simple. I like the price point where it doesn't, terrify me. So I never do, you know, million dollar deals on this sort of 100,000, a couple of hundred thousand max. And I look for sort of 30 plus percent return instantly and try and grow that. And then I also have to make sure it fits my team. I don't want to have to hire five new people because I've suddenly bought a totally different type of business model. So I've really stuck with content sites, newsletter sites, and some sort of SaaS stuff. And those three things sit together really nicely. There's some content, there's a little bit of design, and there's some regular stuff going out to a database. But there's no paid traffic for any of them. And a lot of it's um, uh, sort of subscriber and existing database based. And I can keep growing those databases organically. And that works. But when it comes to the hardcore due diligence, as you know, people would be imagining you do, it's usually quite simple. Because if you understand the business model, you'll see, well, there's some... Google traffic. Well, how much Google traffic a month? Okay, what's the ad revenue from those Google ads? Could we move it to Azoic and get higher ad revenue? Brilliant. Let's check that. Is it enough traffic to jump to Azoic? And then the next thing would be how good quality is the content? I'm actually just reading the blogs myself. Right. Um, and then I ask the um, vendor, would your writers come over with saying, would you stay up? Do you want to? you know, can I commission you to write the next three months of articles just to bridge it, just so we get our heads around it while we transition it. Um, I like to see um, things like refund rates or churn rates on a database. That's sort of an indicator of quality. But the really big thing, it's not so much in the finances or the number crunching. It's like, is the product cool? Is it something I would buy and why would I buy? And if I can understand who my target market is, then I know I've got a good chance of being able to run that business well. And think ahead, what other feature would they love? Or um, what's annoying about the way this is delivered to them? Could we streamline that? So, for example, one of the newsletters we bought um, has promotions every day going out to readers of fiction books. And the authors launching a new book pay me $160 a day each in the five spots per day per newsletter to have their book featured. Brilliant. They get Amazon reviews, they get a spike of sales, so they get ranked. They get um, new readers for their genre and their author. So it's all done by pen names. So these authors love it. I mean, they they queue up to get in our newsletter and we used to get their emails. Please, could I book in for Tuesday? Here's the title. I'll give you the Amazon link the second it goes live. Now, lovely Tess, who works for me, the techie one, she's just automated that. So as a WordPress site, the authors have their account. They pay on PayPal to the business account, not a personal account. They load up their book. They load up their link the website automatically picks up the book description from Amazon, which is the best description of the book you could get and the front cover image from Amazon and automatically boots it out to the email list once we've got five in the newsletter. And then those readers love it. They're like, these are new free books I can't get anywhere else. or this is the box set of my favorite author, the free. So Amazon loves it. It's quality readers actually reading the books and leaving reviews. The readers love it, free books. The authors love it, ranking and reviews. I love it. Automated cash flow. And um, the lovely lady in New Orleans who keeps in touch with the authors and tells me how much money we've made each week. She loves it. I mean, she's an author herself. She really understands the demographics. So she goes off to some conferences and talks about the newsletter. I went to Vegas last November to this big 20 books to 50K conference in Vegas, which was great. And I met all these lovely authors. They're such a different bunch to the Amazon seller crew. Oh, my goodness. It was such a different culture. Um, but that was a really good buy. It makes me really happy. I could live off that if I lived off, if every other business stopped, if the New Zealand real estate industry just keels over, which is hideous at the moment, uh, the returns in real estate here are pretty awful. So I'm a very motivated online investor. There we go. Uh, But any one of those businesses, you know, the design template one, the newsletter for authors one, um, which are the ones that have been good.
1: Well, the because these books. are all worldwide, right? So it's yeah. not restrictive to just New Zealand where you live. It's all over the world. And yeah. as you on this particular deal, how, how did you structure the purchase? What did the purchase price look like? How much cash did you have to put down? Well,
0: the um newsletter one I kept pretty clean. They wanted 410, I think, for it or 460. It was a couple of years back. And I paid two something, which was a very good cash discount. So I just paid cash for that one. That was sort okay. of peak uh, COVID. I really wanted to buy a really solid one. And that was a real X-factor business. That database is huge. The brand is really strong. Loved it. You know, I just wanted it when I saw it. So maybe I could have haggled over some vendor finance, but it would probably meant not such a big... But you got it
1: for a 50% discount, essentially, yeah. right? Paying cash but up front.
0: Happy with that. And sometimes the, Austro- the um, US-New Zealand exchange rate makes me want to you know, just go for it when it's good or really things are going to be tight. So that's the factor for me. Um, The last one I bought was a um, guitar playing one. And this has been fun. I can do a little mini case study on this. So I paid 75k for it. It returns uh, at least 6k a month. And that was just off a WordPress site, reviewing guitars, giving guitar playing tips. And there were banner ads and some affiliate links. So we've added more affiliate links. We're increasing the traffic to get a better payout from those banner ads. But because I know about ebooks, I've commissioned an Italian guitar teacher on Upwork to write a 30,000 word ebook to go with the website. So that'll be a free download, which will build my email list.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then he's also doing um, some audio files to go with each chapter. So we'll, and he'll talk through that. And so that's an audio book for Audible. And a little mini course that can go on the website. So not only are we getting ad traffic and affiliate payments, we're now going to get book sales, audio book sales, and maybe this uh, little um, course that's basically the audio book about how to play different chords, how to learn different songs, how to position yourself, all that stuff. I know nothing about guitars um maybe that becomes a community like a weekly lesson uh, you know an online community so there's so much potential with that one and i paid 75k for it and it's already making 6k profit a month and i do nothing crazy so i did invest a bit in getting the book written a couple of thousand or so pietro and sicily's doing a stunning job <laughs> it's just so funny like i said in this little house in New Zealand, and I take my children to school over the road in the morning, and I pick them up at three o'clock. And in the middle of the day, I'm talking to guitar players in a band in Sicily, and all.
1: This I love it there. though. It just, it just shows you online how small the world can get, and how efficient you can make things. To really, this is the definition of lifestyle by design, right? I mean, you wanted to be a present mom, you still wanted to have freedom and, and financial cash flow coming in you wanted to obviously be able to exercise your competitive spirit, you know, your entrepreneurial spirit and be a business owner and you get to do all of those things because you have an intentional obviously vision around that but also a very clear model that aligns with that vision and it's so amazing that you can do that nowadays with experts like yourself creating a lot more access and transparency into what this world looks like as well.
0: Yeah, it's nice. It does make the world smaller, but you choose your own worlds, and that's such a luxury. Because if you're working for someone else, you know that world is thrust upon you. That traffic that day, that meeting you write, you at, the email or report you have to write. Other people's agendas and timeframes, and all that. Your best energy is just gone. Yeah. Uh, and even though it's a big lurch to create your own worlds, and even if it starts really small, there's nothing like your own freedom. And just the energy you get working on your own stuff versus someone else. It's like I'm a different person. I used to be, I used to, um, on a Sunday night, I used to get eczema all at my arms as I ironed my shirts for the week ahead. I used to work in the New Zealand government and foreign affairs. So mm-hmm. you kind know, of like a big job, um, stressful and, you know, challenging day to day. Still a very nice job. I had a nice boss. It's a great workplace. But gosh, I was so stressed. I was just like all these things beyond my control would just be so just I was fizzing the whole time. Yeah. This online stuff, it's got its moments for sure. Anyone who tells you it's all easy. Of
1: course. Or not doing it. Every business does, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's curveballs all over the place. But if you can just have a really core skill set around looking for value businesses and managing a virtual team, put those two things together. And I think you can do a lot. You can keep it sort of my sort of size but if i wanted to 10x mine i know what levers to pull and if i you know wanted to not work at all i could just wind it back to a few outsourced agencies and you know do a lot less as well but it's not for everyone buying a business you need to be a bit together you know it wouldn't be the first thing you've ever done um it could be your first thing um after a bit of career experience or i suppose it could be your first thing if you say were Finishing college, and you buy a little WordPress site, and you grow it yourself. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't go advising people to go and remortgage their houses and right. their retirement savings into a SaaS business if they've never looked at anything techy in their life. You know, it's it's not like buying real estate where it should be pretty solid. It's definitely if you don't know what you're doing, yeah. And you buy that one thing, you could get it wrong.
1: So that's yeah. why it's
0: so good because there's risk.
1: What maybe talk a little bit about that? What are some What are some of those? Routines and rhythms and disciplines that you do on a consistent basis, doing it that you are operating at a very high level, that maybe others can pace themselves to think about or how they can work those in when, you know, maybe going down this path?
0: Oh, I wish I knew the answer to this because <laughs> my, I have this tendency to be creative and chaotic, and my entire internal battle is trying to rein it in and create order from the chaos. course, I listen to lots of podcasts on this. You know, how do I become more productive? How do I um, create systems and stuff? I mean, I'm just hooked on those topics because that's my limiting factor is how organized I can get myself. I'm really scatty. (laughs) And I'm not really financially, you know, I don't have a big financial background. So I think the thing is to work to your strengths. And so everybody's weekly cycle would look a bit different. So I look for great deals that I think I can grow. And then I work backwards from that. What can I fit into the existing team and time um what financial exposure do i want on any one deal or how many can i juggle at once if i do too many at once it gets too much Mm -hmm. and too messy so i've come to a sort of a system but don't quote me on this because the sort of system changes all the time but we do kind of a 12-week sprint the brian moran book 12-week year i think is a really good model for entrepreneurs like we don't have the longest attention spans nope um (laughs) We get bored and we get distracted. And so I think 12 weeks, we can all manage a cycle. So if every 12 weeks, I scan a bunch of businesses, make a couple of offers, negotiate with a couple, a couple fall over and one goes ahead. That's a really great pace. So single figures of deals a year for sure. And that's with the experienced team and me with some experience. Yeah. Um, And then where I need the most discipline is to take my ideas to grow it and to actually picking a couple and doing them really well rather than, you know, with the guitar thing, I've done a book and a course and an audio book and community community maybe and launched it on eBooks, on Kindle, you know, it goes all over the show. So I think um, keeping forward momentum, but with a really good follow-up team. So actually one of the biggest skills is keeping your team up with you. So there's some theory about elastic bands, you know, you want to tug them along behind you, but not pull them so hard they snap. Yeah. Um, but you need a bit of tension, you know, they need to be on their toes and engaged and a quality team. You know, I see people with whole gangs of um, really low cost workers, you know, three dollars an hour and there's dozens of them. That's not my model. I've got I pay my team seventy five dollars an hour um, the top two, something like that, plus tax. Um, and then from them, I get total pros, totally engaged. There's yeah. bonuses, you know, I look after them really well. And they think about me when I'm not thinking for me and they spot things and they offer ideas and I help them out. I help them buy businesses. Um, you know, we work really tightly and it's been great. So quality team that that forgives a lot of your own weaknesses. So rather than hiring people just like you, I hire all these organized people who have like
1: clipboards, yeah. <laughs> you and I both.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um I think the the flow. For entrepreneurs the excitement at the front end about the idea is always the highest and the implementation and details take us off so get some yeah. help with that and then um every quarter do a really good review of your numbers really disciplined stop and look at you know have we saved enough for tax have we um, got good value from that agency. What about this partnership we talked about? Have we actually closed it or do we not bother? Or are they not keen or are we not so keen or do the terms not work?
1: So. And you just have a, a bookkeeper that sends you monthly or quarterly reports on the business numbers and that you, you and your team dig out on that.
0: Yeah. So uh, it's a lady in New Zealand. So she looks after all my properties. So she used to be a property manager and she does my bookkeeping and she's on the weekly team calls. So she knows what we're up to. So she does all of these her brain schemes are that we're talking about whether it's mm-hmm. a going out for something or I'm off to a conference to learn about something <laughs> um so yeah she's doing all the finances gives me pretty much weekly reports every business unit reports in weekly with um basically sales it's not a really detailed profit and loss but I know off the top of my head the expenses most of them have very few expenses right and that always gets spread across them all and if I start micro tracking which hour went on which thing it's actually not that meaningful because when they're in growth mode, that's when I should spend the most on them, but when they're yep. earning the least. Right. So if I keep it to single figures of projects one at a time, keep the same team happy and engaged and enjoying what they're doing and learning. So I pay for my team to go on courses and conferences. And I think that's worked for me after a lot of trial and error. So yeah. um,
1: invest in your you
0: have the perfect team. But then they go and have a baby or something, you know, it's <laughs> never really right. end.
1: So in terms of what's the kind of, you know, for people that are going, man, I would love to pursue this. Is it, you know, rule of thumb, 25k you should have available, 50k, 100k? What is kind of the barrier of entry for somebody that may want to, you know, dip their toes in and take a swing at an online business?
0: Oh, I think a $5,000 flipper.com micro business would be fun and a nice, easy entry point for anyone who wants to just see what the steps are, go through the process because you don't want to be going through the process learning it while you're also doing a big deal. So one little tiny one just to get your feet wet and learn how it works and get past that psychological barrier of phoning up a vendor with a bunch of questions about their business Um, and all the migration stuff that really puts your own team through their paces of how they handle migrating an email list or a WordPress site or domains and all the security on that stuff. So one little test run and then for my portfolio strategy, I don't want 100 tiny businesses because that's just too much work.
1: Yeah.
0: But if you, I mean, I think there is a portfolio rule of thumb of 12. So 12 income streams for an online entrepreneur is pretty well insulated against most shocks that could hit you, but you wouldn't do 12 deals in a year. So over two or three years, if you bought a couple or three businesses each year, um, that are in the 100k 200k price range with some good vendor finance that return potentially 20 you know 30 to 50 percent off that investment in a year or two two or three years down the track that's a really really healthy set of assets to be sitting on that's a really cool portfolio and no one deals too scary you stay with some common threads of the platforms or the business models or the industry you're in to make it a bit efficient you get some efficiencies you can then kind of cross pollinate different businesses a bit which is always yeah. good uh you can keep your headcount, for your team quite low your job as a manager is not a full-time wrangling a team of 50 i think that's the model that um, would suit most ambitious people with some means at the beginning but not millions of dollars sitting around to go and buy a monstrosity massive business and what's so, what's your goal
1: with all of that? Are you looking to hit a certain cash flow number or a certain net worth number? What, what is it that's driving you in terms of your kind of financial freedom goals?
0: Oh, that's a very good question. I kind of operate year to year. So I always set a target for each year. So I don't want to do any bigger deals than the ones I'm doing now. I think there's a real sweet spot where the vendor for these sort of couple of hundred K size businesses are pretty motivated. The deals aren't too stressful. People say to me, oh, you should start a fund. You know, you're really good at finding these businesses or you should do, you know, help people and then run them for them. That's not me. I'm not a operator and I'm mm-hmm. not greedy for huge deals. I don't want other people's money. I don't want people breathing down my neck telling me how to do this or needing reporting back on every step. Right. I like to be very free and independent. So actually what I'm doing now works absolutely perfectly for me. And if I just keep doing this, I'm very happy. And I a really lie. like the people.
1: I love it. It So you're obviously now with the success you've had, so many people coming to you going, Sophie, I got to know how you're doing this, how you're setting these things up, how you're going through a lot of what we talked about at a high level today, really in depth. And I know you've got resources and a lot more stuff for people to engage with. So for those that do want to know more about what you're doing, how you're doing it, what's the best place for them to learn more?
0: Well, uh, aspiringentrepreneurs.com is my website. And from there, you'll be able to get a copy of the book, which is called Freedom Navigator. So that really steps you through this strategy in a bit more detail, step by step, in a more detailed breakdown of some case studies of deals I've done. And then from there, if this feels like a strategy that might work for you, uh then I can teach you all the step-by-step parts to it, the acquisition criteria, the how to work with brokers, how to negotiate on price, how to do due diligence, the migration, your team. All of those steps are in a course also called Freedom Navigator. So um, that's really detailed training taking you right through live weekly calls with me and lots of good guest speakers on things I'm not so good at. So I'll never be the most sophisticated uh, finance advisor, nor should I give financial advice because I'm not one. Um, so all of those different topics that might be relevant, we'll do a deep dive. This month we're doing a deep dive into newsletter businesses because I think that's such a cool model. Um, it's just all the upside of the online world with no none of the uh, platform stresses that you usually get either Amazon or Facebook yeah. or PayPal even, you know, all these platforms that can just hold you hostage or break your business. Yeah, so, I love a newsletter business and I love SaaS businesses, but I've only done a little SaaS stuff. So we'll bring in other speakers. So we'll take you through a whole bunch of my experience, uh, some best practice steps, um, some other people's experience. Even the fact that I've sold businesses, I've been on the other side of this fence. I've offered vendor finance and I can explain my rationale why I've sold other ones just for cash. Um, but when you build to sell, it really focuses you and I keep that discipline with the businesses I buy, I imagine I might sell them all one day. And so I teach my students that too, because it keeps things tight. It keeps you focused on profit and not too scatty.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It means um, if you do ever want to sell, your portfolio might be worth 20 or 50% more than if you were just running them all pretty loose and, uh, you know, doing 50 things, not that well. But if you tighten it all up and run it like a proper business portfolio and each asset stands on its own, has reported against there's a growth plan for each it's a quarterly plan for each um you know that's that's a really solid way to um enjoy your life and earn a good income stream and have plenty of time left to do the things you like doing
1: absolutely well we will be sure to link up all of that in the millionairemindcast.com episode for sophie so guys be sure to head over to the website check that out you'll get all the links down there and you can engage with her sophie i just want to say thank you like this was one eye opening and enlightening and you know i think it's going to be one of those channels and paths that more and more eyeballs and attention you know um drastically shift towards especially obviously with the digital world that we live in today and you being you know an expert and a resource for so many people in this space just want to sh- say thank you for coming on the show today sharing your wisdom your excellence with us And uh, we look forward to having you on the Millionaire MyCast again.
0: Lovely. Thanks, Matt. It's been wonderful having a chance to talk about my favorite subject. so really nice to have this opportunity. Thank you very much.
1: Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, whereby doing so, you're also going to get entered in to win a $100 gift card. Don't forget to share this episode out with somebody else that may need to hear it or may get some value from what was talked about in today's interview. And for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey, you wanna unlock more financial freedom, you wanna get more time back, or maybe you just wanna level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to MillionaireMindcast.com and check out all the amazing products and resources that we have for our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, downloads and checklists, the Rich Life Planner for those of you looking to take your goal setting and productivity to the next level. We've got all kinds of great, valuable tools, so be sure to check those out at MillionaireMindcast.com. And last but not least, if you're not on my weekly text letter and you want to be the first to know of exclusive updates and offers in addition to behind-the-scenes access to a lot of the stuff that I'm doing, that I'm investing in, be sure to join by texting the word NOTES to 844-447-1555. With that being said, thanks for listening today. Until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a Million and Beyond. Cheers, my friends.